Hey guys, we're diving into Matthew 11 and 12. This go around, looking forward to reading this with you guys and making a few observations about it. And I don't think I'll read the chapters, all the chapters for all of them. I think I'm going to actually for this lesson for chapters 11 and 12. Just a quick reminder about where we've been. So Jesus has been announced as the Messiah, and he's being paralleled to Moses as, as rescuing the people out of uh, a new kind of exodus. There's a, a new Moses and a new exodus, and he goes up on a mountain, and he presents uh, the, the kingdom ethics which are not a new law, but the the fulfillment of what the covenant Moses presented to the people. Uh, that, that, that covenant, which I'll just connect uh, a dot right now, that in uh, Exodus 24, I think it is, Moses, when he receives the book of the covenant, it's called, he will sprinkle the people with blood. So hold on to that one. We'll come back to that, obviously, when we get to uh, the the Last Supper. And then Jesus comes down from the mountain, and then he starts, as it seems, advancing his kingdom. And his kingdom advances in these unusual ways. And we'll continue thinking about that and the way people are responding, uh, some joining, some not joining his kingdom. And a lot of people are having issues. Jesus' Messiah movement is not fitting their mentality at all. And so they're going to ask for a sign from him. And and I'm going to zoom in on that. That's from chapter 12. So here we go. Matthew 11. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And it's all going to be about the kingdom of God, right? It's all about announcing the good news of the gospel. Not that Jesus is dying for their sins so that people can go to heaven. That language is never in any gospel. But rather, that God is bringing heaven or God's kingdom reign to the earth. I was saying in class the other day that the Bible does not talk about God wanting to bring people to heaven. The Bible does talk about God wanting to bring heaven to the people. Uh, verse 2. I, I, I got to be careful with my commentary here. It's two chapters I'm reading. Now when John the Baptist heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, which remember, John is his cousin. He, John the Baptist, sent word by his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, and, and said to him, are you the one who is to come? Are, are you the Messiah, or shall we look for another? <laughs> this is his cousin. They grew up together. And Jesus answered him, uh, John's disciples, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. The poor have good news. Unexpected participants in the kingdom. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. <laughs> so he's quoting Isaiah, guys. 
he's quoting Isaiah, uh, and I think it's Isaiah 34, if I remember correctly. So um, I'm, I'm looking for it. It's, I think it's actually a, a couple different passages. But the, the context of those Old Testament references is all about a return from exile, that God's going to show up and he's going to rescue the people. So I just want to continue to impress that idea upon you guys, that the way to understand what Jesus is doing, how Jesus understood what he was doing, was from the Old Testament. So we can't divorce the Old and New Testament. We need it. Um, as they went away, verse 7, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. So what did you go out into the wilderness to see, guys? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing, fancy like a ruler? Behold, those who wear soft clothing, they are, they're in king's houses. What did you go out to see? You went out to see a prophet? Yeah, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is he who was written in Malachi chapter 3. Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. As in God's way, God is going to show up. So there's a huge claim being made here that God will show up, but a messenger is going to be sent ahead of him. Now that messenger is actually Elijah in Malachi 3. And actually Malachi ends by talking about Elijah's going to return. Let me keep reading. Verse 11. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there isn't risen a, one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. What? From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence. And the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. If you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. There it is. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying all of your expectations and hopes from the Old Testament and the promises of the Old Testament, they're all happening in my ministry. Connect the dots, people. But what shall I compare this generation? Here's what you guys are like. Jesus says it's like uh, children sitting in the marketplace and they call to their playmates. We played a flute for you, but you know what? You didn't dance. We sang a dirge. You didn't mourn. So Jesus says, here's the deal. John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man, Jesus says, me, I came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus is saying, you guys just aren't responding the right way. Like the kids saying, we played a flute, you didn't dance. In other words, Jesus is saying, the way you guys are responding to my kingdom just doesn't make sense. And he says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Then Jesus drops this bomb on him. He says, he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. And so remember that, guys, when we get to the reference of Jonah. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if mighty works would have been done in you in Tyre and Sidon, who guys were viewed as very immoral cities by the Jews, okay? Jesus says they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. 
But I tell you, it's going to be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven? You'll be brought down actually to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it's going to be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. For the land of Sodom, guys. Jesus says it would be more tolerable. Um, he is confronting and condemning them for their lack of repentance. And remember, repentance is not merely just this moment where you say, God, forgive me, I'm sorry. It's actually uh, when you change allegiance. And he says, you guys have not repented. How could you not? How could you not do that? At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and the understanding, and you've revealed them to little children. Again, the up, upside-down nature of Jesus' kingdom at work here. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn from me. I'm gentle, lowly in heart. And you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm not like the rulers, the Gentile rulers and, and kings. It's not how my kingdom operates. I'm not going to put people in slavery and heavily tax them. That's just not the kind of king I am. That's not what my kingdom's all about. Matthew chapter 12. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And at that point, you you say, oh dear, you can hear the, the music. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, that wasn't quite the music I was thinking about. More dun, dun. You get the point. It says his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. There's actually going to be a parallel of David and his mighty men uh, going into the temple and eating the, the showbread. There's an, uh, a parallel, I think, in, that's intentional here that we're to be thinking about. But the Pharisees saw it. And they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. Again, the upside down nature of his kingdom on display. And he said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, they entered the house of God and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him uh, to eat, nor for those with him, but only for the priests. And maybe Jesus is saying, maybe they were priests too. Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Remember that language. Something greater than the temple is here, he says. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying you guys have everything reversed. And you're missing the entire point 
of the Old Testament law and what the temple is all about. And he's saying God's temple presence is here. It's me. And you need to see that. And they're so focused on their way of thinking that they're not clearly able to see what's right in front of them. And he went on and he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, is it, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? I mean, they know what he's going to do. And he said to them, which one of you has a sheep if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath and will not take hold of it and lift it out? Or how much more value is a man than a sheep? Remember this language when we get to Jonah, guys. So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand and it was restored, healthy like the others, <clears throat> like his other hand. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. So he's leaving a Jewish area and many followed him. And he healed them all, but ordered them not to make him known. This messianic secret thing is prevalent in Mark, not so much in Matthew, but it pops up every once in a while. Jesus is saying, keep it hush-hush. People's idea of what it means for me, me to be the Messiah isn't what it means, really, for me to be the Messiah. They'll figure it out once I get to the cross. This is, he says, verse 17, Matthew says, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Well, what's that? Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I'm going to put my spirit upon him and he's going to proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed, he's not going to break and a smoldering wick, not going to quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him and he healed them. So the man spoke and saw. I think there's intentionality here, guys. It's not just him healing, but the man can speak and could see clearly. Um, and all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, what did they say? What do they see? It's only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. This is Jesus' message, guys. This is the good news. The kingdom of God has come. Look at what's happening. The kingdom is confronting spiritual evil and how spiritual evil, which Paul is later going to call the rulers and authorities. <clears throat> Jesus is confronting 
that spiritual evil that is driving nations to perform deeds of injustice and, and evil. And Jesus wants to rid the people and the government structures of all of this spiritual evil. <clears throat> or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever doesn't gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy of the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. I think Jesus is saying, check out what I'm doing. And if you can't understand how by the Spirit, remember from Isaiah, Matthew quotes that God has put his Spirit in him, that through the Spirit, all these things are going on. And if you don't, if you don't get that, if you can't see that, then you're not going to be a part of the kingdom. And, and of course, you won't then receive forgiveness. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of the good treasure, brings forth good, and the evil person, evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. And now here's the Jonah part. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Now let's pause. How many signs has he given? <laughs> How, what do you need at this point, right? Um, but he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. No sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. You guys remember the prophet Jonah? Jesus says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, wasn't a whale, great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh that, that Jonah talked to, man, all the Ninevites, their response was this over-the-top crazy repentance that did not require any sign whatsoever. It, it is the quality of their response, I think, that has really got Jesus' attention. And he's saying the men of Nineveh, verse 41, they're going to rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. I mean, right away. Jonah's not even done with a sermon, and they're throwing sackcloth and ashes on. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Remember from earlier, something greater than the temple is here, and something greater than Jonah is now here. The queen of the south, who, who came to um, see the great riches at Solomon's temple, she's also going to rise up at the judgment with this generation condemn it. For she, she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Oh, man, we've got... 
king language, I'm greater than Solomon. We got prophet language, I'm greater than Jonah. We got temple language, <clears throat> I'm God. I'm God, I'm prophet, I'm king, I'm priest, I'm forgiving people. Jesus is saying it all, man. <clears throat> when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, but finds none. Then it says, if I return to my house for which I came, <clears throat> when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil in itself, and they're going to enter and dwell there. And the last day of the person's worse than the first, so also will it be with this generation. And while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told them, who's my brother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards the disciples, he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus's kingdom uh, operates differently. Family structures operate differently. Power structures operate differently. And Jesus is messing with them, and they just don't know how to respond. Um, love reading these passages. And I just think, I'm thinking to myself, how is Jesus messing with my ideas about the way things should be in my life and the lives of those around me?